My guest today is Luigi Prestonenzi. Luigi has spent his entire working career in sales. So he started his sales career in a call center, the hardest of all types of sales in the world, right? Then working his way into B2B sales with his first major milestone was winning an eight figure opportunity with a global media brand. So he has managed sales teams and now works with sales professionals and helping them be the best that they can be. So in today's episode, he talks about how important is it to know your audience when developing your sales message? When it comes to developing the right message to engage your buyer, what should sellers focus on? During a downturn, why is prospecting such an important skill to work on? Let's jump right in. Welcome, Luigi. I'm excited to have you here. This is, uh, it, it's like so interesting to actually have you on a podcast with me. We've talked so much in the past that. <laughs> yeah, Linda, I'm excited to be on. I mean, I've seen, you've had some pretty cool guests on your show. Um, you've got some really cool topics. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited to talk to you and, and dive deep oh. into, into, some of, into the conversation. Yeah, and I haven't had anyone talk about sales, which is why I'm yeah. really interested to talk to you because one of the things you hear so much, I mean, we're all selling in one way or another, whether it's telling a friend about a movie that we saw, um, recommending, you know, for me, it's like my friends are like skincare products or something, but still <laughs> sales get like a bad rap. Like, what is it about sales that it's always stereotypically like the bad guy in a show or something? Like what, what is it about sales that makes people kind of not, you know, it's not a popular person who's a salesperson, I guess. What I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's a, um, it's an interesting, it's, it, it is an interesting question, right? And I think, I think if you, if you think, look back to all the movies, um, all the popular movies that, you know, we've watched Wall Street and, um, you know, Boiler Room and Glen Gary Glenn Ross and um, The Wolf of Wall Street, for example, um, all incredible movies, but, they all relay a particular persona, a particular sales persona, right? Um, of a salesperson that is only focused on meeting their needs, doesn't really care about the other person. They're just looking to make money, right? That commission breath. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for so many years, um, that was the way that many companies kind of went to market. They had this, you think of the car yard, you think of the car yard interaction, right? The, the buyers going in, going, I'm going to get the best deal for me. Um, and, and the sellers going, I'm going to get the best deal for me. So there's already tension there. Yeah. There's a, right. there's a kind of an, a wall and they're pushing up against the wall. It's not a win-win. Right. And it's negotiation. It's back and forth. There's a lot of tension there. Um, and also like there are certain behaviors that the sales profession has done for so many years around maybe not telling the truth just to get the deal done. I mean, we've seen this in the finance sector, the banking sector, insurance, like so many um, examples of, of where sellers have created the negative stigma around it, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but I think that can't be, that's so far from the truth. Like when you actually truly think about what selling is about, true, my and this is, you know, my philosophy is that true selling is about helping people achieve a positive outcome, yeah? You're helping them not just fix a problem, but you're helping them achieve something that will benefit them, right? And this is where I think, you know, if you can rethink the way you look at the whole aspect of selling, 
you can actually have a better relationship with selling. And I know that, you know, you're talking to a lot of people in your, in your audience that, um, you know, they're consultants, they're sole contractors, et cetera. And they might struggle a little bit with that whole coming across salesy, but when you truly do change your perception around it and think, you know, the people that I'm talking to, I can truly help them improve their business. I can truly help them achieve something better. Right. right? Um, then my job is just to facilitate a conversation. My job is to guide them. My job is to nurture them. My job is to educate them, help them realize things they might not realize that's happening in their business that unrecognized need so that I can be a value creator. Yeah. And I can help them make sense of all the information that they, that might be going around in their world. Um, and that'll help like, and my role is about really bringing together all these different things that are happening. And I truly am a value creator. Now, when we change our mindset um, and when we change our view on that and thinking about those words, you know, nurturing, educating, creating value, helping them see things they might not have seen, um, teaching them things they might not know is happening in their business. For me, that's, that's what selling is about, right? Yeah. Um, and helping them arrive at a, at a point of decision where they're confident in the decision they're about to make. Yeah. Right. Um, now, if we think about that, what are the, some of those words I just described? They're not manipulative. Right. It's not tactical. It's not about persuading you and using a technique to get you to buy, right? Mm -hmm. Because that will work. Absolutely, those techniques will work. You'll make a sale but you won't create a customer. Right. And the difference is a sale happens once, but a customer will buy again and again. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. So yeah. again, we need to just, um, and, and that's when, and I, you know, did I exhibit some of those negative behaviors early in my career? Absolutely. Right. <laughs> um, I, I was guilty of that. But it wasn't until I realized the true meaning of what selling is about that my career skyrocketed. Wow. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about some of the, the ways you got into sales? Because you really started with some of the hardest, to me, like the hardest sales jobs ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I started um, actually my very, 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 very first kind of roll into sales and this is post school because I was always hustling at school. I was always buying and selling goods, right? Making a, making a dollar here and there. Um, but my first kind of real experience is I got a job at an, at a, an exclusive menswear place when I was 17 years old and I was earning $410 a week and they were selling belt belts for a thousand suits for 4,000 shoes for a thousand shirts for 500 bucks. So um, we're selling to kind of, you know, people that were earning, significant amount of money you know they'd come in spend 10 20 grand which was huge money and i was like i said 17 year old earning 410 dollars a week going mate these guys are spending bloody yeah. what i'm earning in a in, in a year they're spending in one kind of transaction <laughs> um but what was interesting about that role is it truly taught me the importance of creating an experience yeah and they weren't just coming in to buy the clothes they were coming in to buy the experience the feeling right yeah. Um, the fact that, you know, as they were, you know, wearing these incredible clothes, you know, Valentino, um, Armani, Xenia, some of the best brands in the world, an exclusive menswear shop um, back in the day. Um, but the way they made them feel, sitting down on a nice couch, right, the coffee, 
going out and they had a, a place around the corner that you could go get a beautiful lunch while your while your clothes are getting hemmed. Um, just little things like that. Like they created a true experience. Mm-hmm. And it was all about helping them feel a certain way, right? Yeah. Um, and for me, that I didn't realize how important working in that place was until four or five years later. Mm-hmm. Then I moved into call center work. Um, so we used to call it telemarketing back in the day. This was like when I was 19 years old, 18, 19. Um, hardcore calling, right? We didn't have dialers. It was literally a telephone pad. We hit the pad. We had a pen. We had a ruler and we had a sheet with people's names. And it was literally G.A. Smith. And you'd call and go, oh, can I speak to Mr. Smith, right? And it was hardcore calling. You'd be dialing. Um, and so that that was an interesting. And, and that that did teach me a lot about you know, intonation, the importance of tone and pitch and speed and mirroring and all that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, then I moved into door to door. I've done kiosk sales and that's, that can be brutal, um, you know, in a shopping center. Yeah. You know, kiosk for eight hours, people walking past, they see you, they quickly look at their phone. Or they look <laughs> away, I want to get eye contact because when you got that eye contact, it's hard to kind of not have, you know, communication. Um so that was fun. That taught me a lot about kind of resilience and taught me a lot about, you know, you just, you just accept rejection as part of the role. Um, yeah. And then, I was going to ask uh, you that, like, how did you handle like the telemarketing that, I mean, cause everyone talks about, you know, getting all these cold calls at dinner and how rude it is. Mm-hmm. And did you always have kind of a thick skin about it or did it, did it bother you at first? You got used to it. I mean, how do you overcome all of that? You know, cause how often would you make a sale with something like that? Just, pure cold call well we had a target of two a day right and you know that's an eight hour day so if you think about it a lot of calls for two a day right um and you're making a lot of calls there was literally a guy at the front was a massive call you know it was 80 people it was literally boiler room right 80 people a guy basically he was a spruker on the weekends and he'd be at the front and be trying to keep people motivated and a lot of attrition a lot of churn in this place there's probably 40%, 40, 50% of churn because people would come in and they, and they just couldn't cut it. Right. It was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I tell you what, I'm so grateful for that experience because I quickly recognized the need to identify like, what do I need to do to get an outcome? So Mm -hmm. I knew X amount of calls would lead to, you know, conversation, X amount of conversations would lead to me being able to pitch something. X amount of pitches would me be able to get an outcome. And once I knew what the numbers were, I didn't have to worry about getting hung up on. And people said some brutal things. You're calling people in their home. They're telling you where to go. They're calling you all these nasty names. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, well, it was part of the process. So I needed to go through those, um, those issues not even issues, but I needed to go through those calls to get to the outcome that I needed to, right? And so it didn't really affect me because I knew it was just part of the process. And that's the same methodology that I've used throughout my whole career is going, well, hang on, I know that, you know, there's going to be certain emails that I send that people aren't going to respond. There's going to be certain relationships that I create. We've all been there where we think, you know what, we've got this deal. I've got a great relationship with Linda. She's given me all the signals. I sent her the proposal. She's given me the yes verbally and then she goes to me for the next two months and I don't hear back ever again, right? And I'm going, <laughs> then you can free your mind, like have I done something wrong? Um, yeah. That's just all part of the process. That's part of being in sales. 
And you've got to factor that in when you're doing your, your numbers, when you're actually coming up with your sales plan, you've got to factor in that each stage of the funnel, people are going to drop out. Mm -hmm. And if you don't factor that in, this is where you're as a business, especially if you're a solopreneur, right. And you're working on your own. This is even, this is critical is you've got to understand what your metrics are because this could be the difference between a really good month or a good quarter or a quarter where you earn no money. Right. Um, and that's why I respect people like yourself, people that are going out there, you know, they're not on a base. They, they eat what they catch. (laughs) And if they don't catch, they don't eat. Right. And, um, so again, that's why, you, you know, it's, it's for, for me, it's, it's crucial having a bit of a sales plan and knowing what are the performance metrics that drive each stage of your sales process. That's such um, a great But yeah, I'm forever grateful for that experience. Yeah. And also at my point in my career, it's like, I find it really helpful to know people like you and also people who I have a coach and I work with other, you know, copywriters to when it happens to you, you feel like you're the only one, like everybody else is doing great because that's all you hear about, like on LinkedIn. People yeah. talk, yeah. once in a while, they'll talk about failures, but usually it's like, hey, yeah. I got, you know, 20,000 followers and I'm, you know, and all the successes, it's like all social media, you know, that's mm. the highlight reel. And so it's easy to just think, wow, you know, I must really be messing up because I don't have that kind of results, but it's just people don't talk about that, you know, but it is part of it. Yeah, but I, for me, I I truly and look, I, I I totally get that, and I'm I'm guilty of it too. I look at some people, I'm like, man, they must be crushing it. I'm I'm feeling like I'm a hamster wheel here, you know, running at 400 miles an hour. I'm not getting anywhere. But I think, and and again, this is where like I've got to the point where I've got to today, and I've put, I've been fortunate to put together some really cool deals, um, with some really cool brands, you know, ranging from 50k, and my biggest was just under 20 mil. Um, which was kind of so far, that's my biggest so far. So hopefully I can, I can, I can beat that at some point um, in my, in the next 10 to 20 years. Um, but there's one thing that there's more learning in opportunities that potentially that don't progress or don't go the way that you want them to, or don't go the way that you plan, because that's when your skill development really kicks in. Right. But you've got to have that open mindset and growth mindset. Um, some days I have it and some days I don't, but I tell you what, when I have that growth mindset and I really do reflect on an opportunity that might not have gone to plan and you, and you should do this on opportunities that convert as well, right? You should do a, a post, um, deal assessment, but there is a lot of learning when you assess when things don't go to plan, right? When you might look at and go, you know what, I skipped a part of the process or, you know, I didn't actually bring enough value or there wasn't enough. I didn't have enough stakeholders because I was selling into a, an enterprise opportunity and I was single point sensitive um, and that limited my ability to influence a buying committee. Um, so I think the, the learning from that is, is crucial. Um, yeah. And so yeah. even though a lot of people are out there celebrating success, I think there's, there's so much opportunity for people to actually talk about you know, your biggest sales F-ups um, because that's where the learning really occurs. Yeah. And I think it's easy to get down on yourself sometimes too. I had a coach that a copywriting coach and she had us all create what she had us call the cheat sheet of awesomeness. And we <laughs> would write down everything, like our biggest successes, 
and the things yeah. that really, you know, when we really did a great job and to have them on the sheet. And she said, whenever, before you're going to get on discovery call or anytime where you feel like maybe, you know, I don't know if I can do this, you take out that cheat sheet mm -hmm. of awesomeness and you review your past successes. And it just does. And I've shared that with people on LinkedIn a few times when people have talked about, I'm just really bummed about this. And I don't know why this happened. I said, just do this. And, and I think it's really helpful because we all have that, you know, when, when it's yeah. happening, it's like, we think we're alone and, and we're not, and we think no one else goes through it and they do. And so yeah. it's, it, it's a, it's a whole mindset, like you said, and it's data, right? I mean, that's all it is. Yeah. It's okay. This didn't work. So why, mm -hmm. what happened? Like you just said. You know. Yeah, and the reality is, right, like one thing that we know is true in sales is that you will hear no and not now and this is not the right time more than you will hear yes. And I haven't met someone that's had an 80 or 90% conversion rate across all their deals yet, right? Um, it's more so the opposite, yeah? That's mm -hmm. 5, 10, maybe 20% conversion rate even off really good inbound even when companies have got a strong inbound lead channel it's it's it's, it's never the opposite over 50 percent conversion right so um and that's another thing that i think we we need to embrace and it's not a it, we've got to disconnect our emotion to the no to go sometimes even when we follow everything sometimes it's not about us right sometimes it's more about the buyer and even when we give them a great experience, we help them understand the value. They re they quantify how the business case will impact them. Sometimes it's just not the right time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how they'll come back okay. to you, right? Later. Correct. And this is why experience is fundamental because people will remember how you make them feel. And if you give them a great experience, and again, if you don't, if you haven't got that commission breath um, and you really are putting them at the center and going, Hey, this is about you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to guide you. Um, I'm going to try to give you the best experience. Um, I'm going to help you make sense of everything. Even if you don't buy, that's okay. I'm still going to serve you in the best possible way that I can. There is a good chance that when they're ready, they're going to come back right. because you haven't just been chasing that transaction. Yeah. That commission check. Um, yeah, and so this is, and that's that's a bit of advice that I, I'd give any any person, any solopreneur, any um, small business owner that is struggling to go out there to to create their own opportunities because they don't want to come across salesy. You will only come across salesy if you, if you put your needs first. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah, and it also it kind of segues into what I wanted to ask you too about messaging because people even say copywriting so i do conversion copywriting and i've had yeah. people isn't that like manipulative and it's not i mean what i say is and tell me if you agree um is you're just helping people make a decision and the decision yeah. could be that the product or service is not for them but you're presenting and it's not manipulative even though we use like decision making psychology but that's just to be able to meet people where they are i mean what do you feel is like that connection with messaging and sales well, again, like, and I, I love the book, you know, you would have read it pretty sure you were influenced by, uh, by Caldini, right? Like it's a great book. There's so many awesome um, studies that he references in that book. Right. Um, but for me, 
if I'm very clear on my audience, my persona, I've studied them, I have a clear understanding of some of the roadblocks that are impacting their ability to achieve a certain outcome. If I've gone through that process, um, then, and I'm creating some copy that is allowing them to have that aha moment or that creates curiosity. And I'm using, you know, keywords like I'm using social proof and other nudges that we know work in copy. That for me is not manipulative because all I'm doing is I'm helping the buyer go, ah, like I'm just trying to create a conversation. I'm trying to get them to respond. But if again, if I've done the research, if I've taken time to really understand my audience and I know that they are suffering from X symptom, these are some symptoms that are impacting their performance and I can help them, you know, potentially see how they could do things differently. There's nothing wrong with putting some copy in there that allows them to arrive at that point of aha, right? Because that's what good copy does. Good copy really talks to the person that's reading it and going like, you know, you know what? This person completely understands me. Yes, this is top of mind for me right now. This is on my whiteboard about a couple of problems that, are, that is impacting performance. And I do want to talk to this person, right? Um, I don't have an issue with that, yeah? And that's, I think that's where people believe that it's all, you know, it's manipulative and you hear, mm -hmm. there's a lot of clickbaity copy out there, you know, yeah. headlines that will pull people in and they're pretty irresistible. Like Buzzfeed does it all the time, you know, and, the, and it's like, ah, oh, I just have to know what this is about. And then you get on the article or the slideshow and it's usually just full of ads and it's all just to get you to go through all. And I, you know, it's, it's clickbait. It's not really yeah. giving you the value that you expect from, yeah. from the headline. I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, those shops, right, that are constantly having a clearance sale. You know, you walk past and it's got clearance and it's, you know, sure, this weekend only or something, or you get the you get the email saying clearance, um, you know, final price or something. They've put something in there that's kind of like a compelling reason to take action. Now, that'll work if you walk past once but there's a place near where I live and they've constantly got the same things in the window. After a while, you're like, it, it, it doesn't work because right. I go, this is not a, a clearance. It's just the way that they're trying to attract people into the store. Yeah. Um, so they raise the prices of their yeah. original price and then they tell you that it's a sale price and it's it's just yeah. the regular price. Yeah. yeah. That's manipulative. You know, that for me, that's, that's not ethical, right? Um, and, uh, but again, if it, this is where I, you know, the clickbait stuff will work to a certain extent, but then after a while, the audience is going to be like, well, every time I click it, I go in there, there's really no value. Right. Um, you're jamming down. So, um, but this is where I think there's a healthy balance, right? We've got to have some element of persuasiveness um, right. in our copy to create a level of curiosity. So people want to know more. Right. But if we don't study our audience and we don't know what's driving our audience, at some point, it's not going to be, um, we're not going to be able to go deep in that conversation with them. Right. And this is where I, I say that I've sent some horrible emails that have landed me incredible meetings with some incredible senior people. Right. And the structure of the email not, might not have been perfect, but because I did a a hell of a lot of research i made it relevant to them they were like you know what i want to talk to luigi right yeah 
And then I've sent some incredible emails that I thought are perfect, perfectly worded, you know, the right structure. They get no response. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so again, I think that the fact research, and I just did a post um, around this, uh, research is a sales superpower, right? It allows you to, it allows you to show somebody that, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm earning the right mm-hmm. to get your eyes on this and, and, and to get your attention because I've done a lot of research and I'm making this very relevant for you. And I'm not talking to a thousand people. I'm right. talking to one person now. You can tell. And it's, I, I've told you this in the past that I've sent out a couple of, you know, cold emails that I got a good response from. And it's in order for that to happen though, at the level that I was aiming for with these particular companies, I had, I did a lot of research into what was happening within the company. I knew what roles this person had, what, you know, I, I just, I did way more than I had to do in order to write this email, but I wanted to make sure that the voice was what they had. And, and I have gotten responses from high level executives who wanted to talk to me because Mm -hmm. of my email. And even one that wrote back and said, you know what, I, I loved your email. He said, this was an awesome email, but we just, we, we don't have any need for your services. I just wanted you to know it was a great email. Yeah. Didn't do much for, for me, and, <laughs> but it still, at least it showed me, you know, that I was on the right. Yeah. So, but in the ones mm-hmm. that I respond to are the ones that are really in line. You know, we all get the ones that are just such a mismatch. Like, oh, I think that we I got like two today. You know, I, I'd love to talk to you about a possible collaboration. It was something that was completely unrelated to anything I do. I'm like, what made you, I wanted yeah. to write back and say, what made you think that we would be a fit? Like, there's just nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Or you get the ones, you get the ones that say we've worked with similar companies like Volkswagen and GE money. You're like, mate, (laughs) I'm not Volkswagen. You know, (laughs) I'm not a 30 or 40 billion dollar company. Thank you. (laughs) So yeah, your sequence needs to change. Your copy needs to change and you need to alter. Yeah. I know exactly. But uh, one thing I want to ask you too, you talk about um, selling as transferring belief and enthusiasm. And I love the way that sounds, but can you get into exactly like, what do you mean about that? Well, if you don't believe in what you sell, why would your prospect or buyer believe in what your product or service can do for them, right? Mm-hmm. So you feel, and I, I've said this, you know, I've had this, this, this tough conversation with sellers because the biggest objection you will never overcome is the objection that you haven't overcome yourself, right? And I've had this conversation with sellers that truly don't believe in what their product does. And I'm like, well, you're going to struggle to get them to believe, right? Because if you don't believe that your product can actually help them, then they're not going to see that this will work for them, right? And it's probably time for you to get another job or go deeper, <laughs> Um because sometimes sellers don't go deep enough, go and actually look at, and this is what HubSpot did really well in the early days. Mark Roberge, um, I'm a big fan of, you know, he made his sales team build landing pages and, and marketing pages to see the challenges that marketers went through when they were building certain things, right? Mm-hmm. So they could truly understand how their product or how their, you know, platform could help them, right? I love that. And again, that, that was a massive, I had a huge um, improvement in my career when I started to not just study my audience, but go into the audience and really, uh, really feel and see how the problems that I was talking to them about were impacting them. Yeah. Right. 
and then how what we were selling was helping them. Um, this is where, again, there is the hard path in sales and there's the easy path, right? And the hard path is, is actually doing work, is doing that research, looking at the use cases. Um, that's actually hard. Like, this is the thing. To be a successful sales professional, to be a successful, you know, consultant, whichever way you want to want to frame it up for your audience, and especially in 2023, where we're going to be moving into a bit of a um, a bit of a financial challenge, right? There's, the economic climate is going to be difficult to sell in. The there is no kind of silver bullet. There is no corner that you can cut. It's actually going to, it's going to be hard, but mm -hmm. the high performers will work hard. And when I say that, I'm not saying they're going to work like ridiculous hours. I'm saying those are the things, studying the audience, understanding how the problems impact their business, knowing how the product or service they sell actually helps them. Like that sort of stuff, going and doing that research for me, yeah. again, that's fundamental, right? Yeah. Um, so in order for you to believe in what you sell, you've got to see and feel how this does impact people because and then you transfer that belief. Right. And, you know, um, that energy that you transfer because we know this, the law of attraction is real, right? Um, if you're bringing positive energy to the table, you're bringing self-belief. They're going to see it. They're going to feel it. They're going to feel more confident in your ability to help them. Yeah. I was working for a healthcare company that was selling a product for cancer patients. And I spoke to people, the cancer patients, and you want to talk about emotional, like, you know, just, it was difficult. They wanted to talk to me because the product had helped them so much. Yeah. But I mean, to be put into their day-to-day -day activities was so powerful. And so I was able to use some of that, you know, just even just knowing what they were going through would come across in my copy without me actually yeah. having to, you know, say the exact words, but you do pick up on phrases and the things that they, you know, uh, talk about a lot. And I've talked about this on LinkedIn a few times, which is that um, you want to even get details about what they do in leisure time. If they're willing to, you know, you can tell when you talk to somebody, if they're willing to give you that, you know, like, oh, do you follow any podcasts? Is there anything, you know, yeah. TV shows that you really like? And sometimes there's a common thread, like people tend to gravitate towards certain things. And, um, I could even weave some of that in. Like if a lot of people are, you know, it's an audience who they, they walk their dogs every morning and they go to Starbucks, I can weave in something about that. Um, but that that was one of the most powerful, you know, interviews I had to mm. do like with people, you know, in that business. But um, but yeah, even and anything, people are struggling, you know, with something. It's a matter yeah. of, you know. Yeah, but that's interesting, right? Because I know, like, that's very emotive. Yeah, like you're talking about people's health. Health is emotive, um, but and this is again, you know, the whole premise around the people buy with emotion first, and they'll justify with logic. And there's a lot of data to to, to prove this concept. Yeah, um, and emotion drives action. Yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, I, I I totally connect. And then again, if you can understand your audience and you can understand you know, where the emotional connection and bring that emotional connection in earlier in the conversation, you're going to have a much more deeper conversation with your, with your buyers. Yeah. And the thing that too, and in fact, I just posted about this yesterday, today on LinkedIn, that people confuse buying with emotion, emotion and emotional are two different things. 
emotion yeah. could be just a pang, like a nudge that you're feeling. Oh, this is, you know, yeah. this is ringing true for me. Emotional, it's like, because when people hear that and they're like, well, you know, I'm not an emotional person. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're sobbing over the copy. I mean, it just means that it struck a nerve with you, you know, literally. Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. how people I, make it. And you're right, because there, there's the, there is differences in it, right? Um, and we also want to be, we also don't want to come across that we're manipulating people around certain topics where they could be vulnerable. And I've, I've been like, you know, I've been to certain events where I was, I was observing the, observing the way they were really um, focusing in on quite vulnerable topics that would compel people to take action. And I'm like, mate, that is, again, for me, I don't agree with that type of selling right I um i just don't agree with it uh i think it's unethical and i don't think we need to do it like if we follow a good process and we give that good experience um and we do you know some of the principles that i spoke about if we're nurturing educating guiding um helping um, we're problem solving i'm also a big believer in creating value before they even purchase like like what you're doing with your podcast right you're you're creating content you're creating information you're creating value for your audience so that they're already building a level of trust with you and you're already helping them in their business before they even exchange any sort of money for your service yeah right um, that people, for me is so they need to know you a little bit mm. you know i think it's well it's, it's not that they need to but they it's much easier it's like having yeah. a friend you know telling a friend about something you like versus going up to a stranger and trying to tell them. I mean, they just, they, they don't know who you are. What are you talking about? So even yeah. that's why LinkedIn is so great because you can get to know people, see what they're posting, comment and you know, yeah. that exchange and then connect in that way. Um, it's really helpful, but, but yeah. So what, do you have new projects on the horizon or what is happening in your own business? Yeah, you? so there's, um, there's two things I'm really passionate about um, that's um, gonna be my focus for 2023 um is building a, a community called the growth forum where it's 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 helping not just salespeople but marketers uh, anyone um that really is looking for personal growth so you know the key pillars that we focus on is, is professional development um we're focusing on marketing we're focusing on entrepreneurship and we're focusing on sales um so they're the kind of things and we know that caters for not just sales professionals but business owners for marketers i think um any of those kind of key pillars uh mm -hmm. are important when it comes to modern day business so um that's an exciting community we've got some incredible contributors um live events every month uh, again with the whole premise is really creating so much value so that's an exciting project um and also the scalable growth program that uh i'm facilitating um for it's, it's not a, uh, you know, we're not going to have hundreds and hundreds of people go through it. Literally only four intakes in 2023. Um, I'll be working with a, with a small group of salespeople, even business owners, really helping them develop their sales plan, helping them develop um, their strategy in, in generating business for themselves and closing business mm -hmm. um, intensive programs. So they're the sort of two key things that I'm really passionate about. Um, and that's what I'm really excited to bring to market. 2023 is that a year-long project a year-long um uh program, program. 
the yeah so the program is it's 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 around sort of 12 to 14 weeks um quite intensive um but you know not just not just uh, training but there's coaching and there's tools uh, i basically provide uh, participants with all the tools that i use and that i have used to close you know 10 10k deals right through to multi-million dollar deals so they're proven tools um and i work with sellers in really helping them contextualize those tools for what they're doing in their life um and i've got some incredible um, results from um, students that i've absolutely adored working with from hubspot and docusign um you know and stripe so some some great brands um yeah. and their sellers have achieved incredible results yeah that sounds great yeah that's all exciting that's so cool yeah <laughs> yeah so where can people find you to find out more about you or connect with you yeah, so LinkedIn, LinkedIn, um, just type in Luigi, L-U-I-G-I. Hopefully I come up first, um, but just Luigi and my surname and you should be able to find me. Um, you know, jump on LinkedIn, send me a connection request, follow me, send me a note, tell me what you love about this episode, tell me what you hate about this episode. <laughs> but LinkedIn is probably the best place to connect and, and engage with me. Great. Well, thank you so much, Luigi, for being here. This has been awesome. Appreciate your time. No worries, Linda. Thanks for putting out such incredible content. Thank you.